Hello, and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare, and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, we will narrow in our discussion on our new identity in Christ. This topic is widely discussed and written about in today's Christian circles, but we hope to add to and maybe clarify what it means to have a new identity in Christ and how that changes everything in our lives. We discussed last week the great exchange that God did in us as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. One of the foundational pillars of that exchange is our new spiritual identity as children of God. No longer in the line of Adam in perpetual death, we entered God's family as heirs to his glory and righteousness. Galatians 4, 5-7 says it this way, So that God might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Galatians 4, 5-7 Before we can truly experience and understand all our new identity means to us, we must dive in and explore what the meaning of identity is and how much it affects our lives. With that said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and here we go. Joining me today is Bo Brazina. Hello, Ross. Hello. Uh, Jamie Ferris-Piles. Hi. And Tom Price. Hey, Ross. How are you guys today? Good. Good. Awesome. All right. So, uh, like I said in the introduction, we talked, or we're, we're going to talk about the new identity in Christ, but I want to d- define that word identity first before we really get into the discussion, because I think in the world out there, there's a lot what it could mean to people. So, Bo, why don't I start with you? What is a good definition of identity? How would you define it? Well, if you look at the dictionary, I don't know if that's a good way of defining it or not, but it's a starting place. It's who or what a person is. It's the essence of their being Mm -hmm. is how I would say it without going to the dictionary and what defines my being, who I am. Mm. Yeah. Guys, any other way to describe it and how would you define it? Well, I was born into the Price family. I didn't have to take a test. I didn't have to take a, a college course in order to become a price. Uh, I didn't have to be certified, licensed. The moment I was conceived and when I was birthed into this world, I was declared a price. And it had nothing to do with my behavior or personality hmm. or what I did or what what I did not do. I was a price. And so going along with the dictionary definition, it's who I am. And- If you look at the word, it says that without Christ, we are children of wrath. Hmm. That without being born, like Tom said, into his family, uh, that Hmm. is our identity. Hmm. And now he has given us new life and we can be called the children of God and that is our identity. Yeah, so... Taking the dictionary, taking what the word says, taking your what you said, Tom, about family, you know, I feel like it can still be muddy water for us to truly understand what it means. Because even just the very phrase of the essence of who I am, I mean, to me that 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 says, well, I have okay, I have no idea what that means. You know, I don't I can't answer that question easily. So we can take the dictionary definition, we can take the family we're born into. But how do we understand the word? Not just define it, but how do we understand what identity is? Well, you've just illustrated to us that it is a difficult concept to understand as far as definition goes. But practically, I'm drawn into this idea sometimes that what I do determines who I am. What I know determines who I am. How other people see me determines who I am. How I feel about myself determines who I am. But when I accept the truth that, as Jamie said, I'm in Christ, I'm born into his family, I am a child of God, that is my core identity. When I take that truth into my thinking process and my believing and realize, wait a minute, I'm tempted to believe this about myself and it's causing trouble in my emotions, causing trouble in my choices. But when I realize that I am God's kid, that's my core identity, it totally changes my outlook and view on myself, which affects my emotions, which affects my choices. 
and my behaviors. I think, like what Tom says, it's important to view us, understand our identity and coming from not what we do, but from what God says about us. But the whole concept of identity is very difficult to to grasp, <laughs> partly because a lot of times I don't think we sit around and think about it. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I think it, for me, it, you go back to creation. Uh, I don't think God sits around and wonders who he is. He said to Moses, I am who I am. But we're created <laughs> beings, you know. Mm. Uh, we're created beings, and as created mm. beings, we have a creator who envisioned that. Mm. The creator is the one that has laid out how he designed us. In other words, what he had in mind for designing mm. who we are. So it's a, a question that only, I think, a created being truly probably should wrestle with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And before sin, it was clear who Adam was. And we'll probably get into that, I, I would assume, when mm. we have talked about it in prior podcasts. It was after the sin that the muddied waters get really muddied, which makes this question, well, who am I and what is the essence of who I am, get all real convoluted, which is why Tom mentioned some people talk about how they feel about themselves or, you know, what they do or whatever. Hmm. But it's this idea of what is my created purpose my for my existence, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's good. And, and I think that's what's it's hard to get your mind around, especially since we're all born after sin. Hmm. After the original created image of God in Adam was was tainted mm-hmm. by sin, yeah. uh, and so we were left to wrestle with this huge idea of what is my essence, and mm. and we are all born into the world apart from God. So now that it's really confusing, what is my essence, mm-hmm. and how do I get my mind around that? And yeah. I don't know if I can really uncover the idea of the the word more than that because mm. it's such a huge concept. But I think it's essential for us. Since we're created dependent beings, we have to know who we are, and we come into the world searching yeah. uh, because of being apart from Christ. So it's a huge question, an important question, and probably one podcast, I don't know if we can fully get our, <laughs> our mind around yeah. what the concept yeah. is. Yeah. Well, it affects the way we live, how we live out our life, what we believe about ourselves, who we think we are, or what others tell us about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's critical that we are grounded in who God says we are, or else we're flip-flopping every day on, you know, that question. Yeah. Well, and it brings me back to this idea, you know, because we're designed with three parts, as you were talking about, Bo, we have a creator who designed us with three parts. When we ask someone about their identity, oftentimes we can get compartmentalized. It's like, well, how do I describe that? Well, which part of me am I describing? Am I describing body and the actions I'm doing? Am I describing my emotions or my personality? Am I describing myself spiritually? And I think that can be a difficult hurdle for people to get over is they don't know which part of them, obviously all of them makes up them, but which part of them do I use to describe who I am? And so that can also play into it. Along those lines, how do we understand that? Since we're three parts, how do we identify ourselves within those three parts, or is it as a whole? How do we put those two ideas together? Well, I think you have to start pre-salvation, because uh, that's how we're all born. And so you start at the youngest of ages. When we come into the world, we're, we're sinners, we're apart from God, and children generally define themselves from the physical aspects mm-hmm. of who they are, boy or girl, or tall or short, or funny or mm-hmm. quiet, or, or whatever it is. Now, there's aspects of personality in that, in the soul level. It's not until uh, we become adults or older and then we receive salvation that we can take that holistic view of body, soul, and spirit. But I believe the primary determiner of identity is spirit because God is spirit, and he says, uh, you know, I made you in my image, and so we start with the spirit, and then that is what that level of identity statement is what we look through that lens at the soul and at the body. But the mud, the waters get muddied from the very get-go, like you said earlier, is because apart from God, prior to salvation, sinner, right, we focus on, we, can't, we don't have spiritual life, so we can't define ourselves in a positive term mm-hmm. in terms of our identity from a spiritual perspective. Jesus called it, you're either a child of God or a child of the devil. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, who's going to walk around saying, well, I'm, I'm going to 
really own that child <laughs> of the devil identity. Yeah. So I'm going to do all the things that Tom enumerated. Mm-hmm. I'm going to either look at my behavior to define me or my feelings to define me or my gifts mm-hmm. or talents or possessions or my physique, you know, and my appearance, all those different things is what happens prior to salvation. And so we get trained in that. Mm. And and that's where I believe the world primarily defines themselves without Christ. This is the unsaved world, either physically or uh, personality wise. Mm. So into the soul level. So when I'm in the counseling room, one of the questions I ask is, who are you? Like when we're talking this and discussing this with people, and I find it's one of the hardest questions that people struggle with. They're wrestling, they hem and they haw. I even have to help them out. You know, like, and you'd think people would be able to answer about themselves. I mean, I'm with me all the time. I know what I do. I know what I think. You know, like it would be, you'd think it'd be easy. We've talked about the reasons why it's not. But what are some of the common ways, as you just alluded to, Bo, that the world tries to tell you who you are, or that naturally as unsafe people, we try to understand who we are, and what does the scripture have to say the real identity is? Well, I think one of the primary ways that people attempt to identify themselves is how they feel about themselves. Mm. I mean, you look at teenagers. Teenagers, they're by nature, uh, as a teenager, they're always, they're looking and searching for who they are. Uh, They want that established. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're a child, they believe whatever their parents tell them. Yeah. And then they their bodies change and they're maturing physically and the hormones start changing and they're changing and now they're trying to, to gain some kind of independence from their parents. And But in order to do that, they have to figure out who they are. Mm. And so they start looking out there at their peers, uh, the media, and figuring out, who they are by what these other folks are saying about them. So uh, as I referenced earlier, I think um, one of the ways that they do it is through trial and error of what I do. And the reason why I think the question that you posed to your counselees is so challenging is there's so many different aspects of what I do. Mm, yeah. Are you talking about my physical ability, like how athletic or musically inclined I am? Or are you talking about my intellectual capacity, like I'm a smart person because I can grasp very abstract concepts? Are you talking about my uh, cultural social awareness, that I'm a generous person or a kind person? Are you talking about my possessions, like I am wealthy or Mm -hmm. stylish or whatever it is? And so that's, I think, the nature of the deception of the enemy because, like I said, no one's going to pre-salvation want to identify themselves as a child of the devil. Mm -hmm. The beauty and the simplicity of the gospel is that Christ gifted us one identity. It's based on the indwelling spirit that y'all talked about last week in the the great exchange, that we exchanged the old life in Adam, and you mentioned this at the beginning, for the new life in Christ, and that we have this new heart, the heart of flesh is what the prophet Ezekiel called it, where we are now children of God, period. Yep. And that is mm-hmm. this succinct, and it's not earned, it's not a possession that uh, we can gather through our own ability, it was a gift from God, mm-hmm. and it's completely a totally different way of thinking about identity than the mm-hmm. world has trained us, yep. which is you earn it, We'll give you that identity is what the world says. Christ says, you can never earn it. I'm going to gift that identity to you. And I think that's a very simple way of com- contrasting what we learn in the er- the world is you earn, you change, you work, we'll give you the label. Maybe if you slip on that effort, we'll remove the label. Mm-hmm. Your success, because you've achieved it, okay, you, you have the success label. Slip a little bit. No longer, you're a failure, Mm, right? Yep. Your kids turn out really well, good parent. Kids screw up, identity label, Mm, bad parent, Yeah. right? Or 
questionable. <laughs> Maybe we can rationalize a little bit around yeah. that one. But Christ says it's all about me and my work, and that's the beauty of the exchange. It's my gift of you being a child of God, and that's the only biblical identity I believe that uh, someone who is saved can scripturally uh, possess. Yeah, and our and our soul is just a, uh, I think the way that mechanism in our whole being that we're able to express that identity mm, yeah. uniquely for each mm-hmm. one of us. Yeah. Well, something that I've been reading lately, uh, some sociology information goes to what Bo was saying, and you're asking this question to people, you know, who are you? And they may be struggling to answer it, but you put them in society, and society is going to tell you where you are on that Mm -hmm. level. Yeah, where you fit in. Society tries to protect its highest status members. Mm. That's what will do without God. Yeah. Okay? And so if you don't know who you are, someone will define it mm. for you. Yeah. And that's the the age-old story of the teenage years like Tom was is is that teenager is consistently listening to those societal messages trying to figure out where they are in that hierarchy and how they can change it if they don't or if they don't feel like they can change it then they'll become despondent or or depressed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're absolutely right. Sometimes suicidal. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So we've set the groundwork that the world will tell you one thing or they'll label you, but God has also gifted you the identity of being a child of God. So we hear, we've probably heard that a lot in church or in Christian circles, but what exactly does that mean? I, you know, in the Living in Jesus study that we wrote that goes along with this podcast, we label a few of them as a new creation or that we are victorious in Christ, that we are adequate, that we have what it takes, that we've been perfected, that we've been sanctified. So we have this long list of what it means. But how would you define what it means to be a child of God beyond those labels that come with Scripture attached to them? But besides that, how would you define that, and which one stands out to you personally? The one that stands out probably the biggest to me is adequate. I mean, all of them are important, but the temptation as a young Christian trying to understand who I am, what I am, that sense was attacked constantly. I'm not adequate. I'm not adequate. I'm not adequate. I'm not good enough. I'm not important. I'm not recognized and on and on and on. And when I began to understand that I, as a child of God, that I am adequate before I even wake up in the morning, Hmm. before I work on my to-do list or my don't list, I'm adequate. I start off adequate, and no matter how I live my day, it doesn't change that truth. I think it has to be a spiritual revelation or illumination, maybe we should say, from the Spirit. It's so counter to what the world says about identity. How can I be adequate if I didn't do anything and I'm just waking up? Mm. You know, like what Tom's, that is 180 degrees different. Mm. And it's a gift economy. That's a grace economy. Yeah. It's a not achieved. Mm. It's a receiving economy. Yeah. Probably the best example is what Tom said about being born into the Price family. Mm. He w- it was impossible for him to do anything, really, when he co- if you sure, see a baby yeah. coming into the world, it's helpless, <laughs> right? Yeah. Can't feed itself, can't take care of any major life-supporting action, really. <laughs> and yet gifted this privilege of being in his family. Mm. And that's, you know, probably why God chose to use that children of God or family of God idea in his word. And the uh, the flip side of it is, is that Tom can't do anything to get rid of the price identity because he was born into it. Mm. It was a gift. Yeah. And so that is a concept that's just really hard to get wrapped around your mm. your, your brain wrapped around yeah. w- without the spirit's revelation. Until you realize that Tom only has to be a price until the day he dies. Meaning what? That he was crucified in Christ mm. and now he no longer lives, but Christ lives in him. <laughs> and so now he is Tom 
child of God. And price cool. is a label that I wear on my on, body. On your outside. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I was just listening to you guys and I was thinking it's so hard to choose just one of those sure, yeah. great gifts that we get as a child of God. And I think the value of each changes as we grow yep. in Christ. There are different times when I'll value one aspect mm -hmm. of that gift in my life more than others. And right now, I would say I'm enjoying the victory, mm. that victorious life, yeah. because the others I've come to understand and grasp, and now I want my life to speak. I want it to be proactive. I want people to recognize Christ mm. in me. Yeah. And that comes when his work is done through me, and it is victorious because my flesh is just going to be death, hmm. but his spirit will bring life. And then my identity isn't just affecting me. It's also affecting others. And that's a, that's a beautiful example because the victor is Christ. He's gifted yes. that identity to Jamie and to all of us, obviously, but but it's it's not an earned victory. It's a restful victory. It's a, it's a reception of his victory and yes. then manifested through your behavior. For me, it's probably a righteousness, right? Hmm. The state of being completely right. And uh, it's just a gift that is beyond my comprehension. Romans 5.17, the gift of righteousness. I think probably because in my early strivings, I have some flesh patterns that are performance oriented and wanting to be right and prove that I'm right. And it's just an incredible, restful, gracious mm. gift that I'm relishing. But all of them, I can say adequate and too, and loved and known and valued, and they're all. that question because I kind of set you guys up because I want I want you guys to expand on how knowing these truths that you are righteous that you are loved that you are adequate that you are victorious knowing these things that this is what encompasses being a child of God how does that affect your life right how does that affect you today why does knowing that you're a child of God matter because we're all living in this world I want it to matter for me now today while I'm living so how does it do that well, as I mentioned, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm already adequate. Well, what that means is now the thought in my mind is, what does an adequate person want to do today? What do they get to do? What's the Holy Spirit leading me to do? Uh, not to gain adequacy, but I am adequate. I am loved. I am righteous. Um, I like the other identity statement. I am his workmanship. The way that he wired me is I like to work. Hmm. Work is not something I dread. And now I don't work because I'm trying to earn something. I work because it's a, it's pleasurable. Yeah. And so to me, that's where it becomes practical. I'm living out of the identity, not just not just holding it in my mind as something that's true, yeah. but living from it. So you might be doing the same action that you would if you weren't a child of God or if you weren't believing that a moment. You could do the same type of work. Exactly. But it wouldn't be as rewarding. You'd be trying to attain the adequacy instead of already having it and enjoying the work. A few years ago, when I used to serve at a different place, the end of the day, this would be a constant thought. Wow, what did I do today? What did I accomplish today? Mm. And I'd go home with this sense of failure. And I don't struggle with that anymore at all. Mm. I mean, if I evaluated my day, I could go, yeah, I could have been more productive in this area. And that's just an evaluation of time spent. But that doesn't affect my value, mm. who I am. And I don't stew about it. I don't worry about it. I don't become anxious and fearful and depressed. Yeah. For me, practically, uh, you know, I, I mentioned righteousness. Uh, the practical example would be in my parenting. Mm. 
you know, you're raising kids, you're instructing them, you're loving on them, and sometimes they don't agree with you, you know? What? (laughs) Sometimes they think you're wrong, or they blow you off, or they don't want to listen. And I don't, uh, I'm growing in this, so this is a, a journey. But the more I get rooted in the idea that my righteousness, my rightness, if you will, and I learned something today, actually, the original word in the English was right wiseness. We don't use that word mm. anymore. Right, but uh, a lot of times we use human wisdom to try to prove that we're right, right? Yeah. But when we're using God's wisdom, we could actually give them freedom to disagree. Hmm. And that it's it's okay because I don't need them to agree with me to prove that I'm right. <laughs> I could actually give them freedom to actually explore what they're believing with the Holy Spirit, and I don't have to force them to conform to my way of thinking. Hmm. I, I could actually, you know, be slow to speak and not have to get into a heated argument, hmm. although I have done that in the flesh, <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, but if I'm believing the truth that my righteousness is a gift from God, it's not established by another person or by myself or how articulate I am in a specific argument or how powerful I am as a, a, a leader in the family or whatever, I could actually rest and I could give them grace to explore and fo- come to the full fruition of intimacy with God that they are on their journey. So when you say that example, I mean, I like that a lot. It's making me think as a parent. Um, I mean, what does that look like in terms of they're saying something that you just know to not be right? And, sure. And then you're... Okay, so this is how it would go if I was in the flesh. Yeah. You don't want to help around the house son or daughter. And as an adult, you need to learn how to be responsible. And this is going to be demands on you. And so you got to do it. And not, you know, I don't agree with that. I've been helping all along. Well, I'm going to try to put pressure on them to say, well, you don't know the real world. In other words, you got to get prepared for this real world where you got to learn to pull your weight, Hmm. you know, and I'm trying to shame them into a growth Right, area yeah. that they need growth, but it's coming out of my lack of, they're not listening to me. Mm. They think I'm wrong. And I've got to prove that I know more. I've had more experience and it's for the good after all. That's just a blame and manipulation type of thing versus this way, which would be God, thank you for making me right. Now you love my son or my daughter and you've put me in their life and you've called me to equip them And I know that I still need to teach them about pulling their weight and being responsible and helping out and volunteering and serving and all of those things that are beautiful, healthy behaviors. Um, They're your children. My righteousness comes from you. I don't have to manipulate, coerce, force. How do you want me to parent them? That might still be saying very similar things Mm -hmm. to them, but it'll be done with self-control. It'll be done with gentleness, the fruit of the Spirit, in yeah, other words. Exactly. It'll be done with patience. It'll be done with love. Yep. And usually what, what happens if I'm in the flesh, it'll be like driving a nail. I'm going to come harder and faster. Mm. And But with the Spirit, if I'm resting and my righteousness doesn't come from my son agreeing with me, it comes from Christ, I could actually say, okay, I could be slow to speak here. God, is this the right time to talk to him? Do I need to wait a little bit? Do we need to revisit this later? Do, you, do I need to give him time to process with you about this? And so you see the fruit of the mm. Spirit start coming out is birthed out of me resting in my righteousness. I don't know if that asks, yeah, answers great, your question. Yeah. Well, for me, and I'm the token woman in the group, <laughs> so I'll give you the female version. We're relational. Yeah. If I don't know my identity, I'm going to try to get it from someone hmm. or something. And the problem with that is, We drain people when we try to gain identity from them. Mm. This keeps me stable. I don't need anything from you. I lack nothing. Mm. And when I live from that, I've got something to give more than I'm trying to constantly take Mm. and receive to know who I am. So for me, it's a relational thing as well as just a piece in knowing who I am with God. And that's the best part. Yeah. But the other side of it is I can have a good day with you, no matter how you treat me, Mm. no matter what you think of me, because I can stop and think too, ah, this person's trying to get their identity Mm. met. They're trying to get a need met. Mm. And I can have that patience and that love because I know mine and I lack nothing. Yeah, so you're able to have a relationship in a healthy manner 
as opposed to because obviously we're made for relationships. So being in a relationship with people is not a bad thing. It's what we're doing in that relationship and how we're approaching it and what our mindset is behind it, right? That's right. what you're saying. Because people, God meant for them to be resources, but he's got to be the source. Yeah, if I could piggyback off of what your concept, this applies also to parenting. How often I, as a parent, am tempted to find identity in what my child does, another mm. person, another relationship, so yeah, to speak. Sure. And if that's the case, they become my source. They become my little G God, so to speak. And then I, because I'm not sure, it, I'm not confident in my identity as a child of God, I'm trying to coerce or force or pull something out of them to establish myself as either a good father a respectable person, a wise person or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's all based on how they're feeding back to me. Yeah. And that it sets it up for, first of all, it's not loving to them, yeah. right? Yeah. It's putting demands on them that God didn't design for them to carry. And it creates toxicity in our relationship because mm -hmm. they're never going to be able to deliver a sustainable feedback to me that's going to make me a secure father. But if I'm resting in Christ is saying, Bo, I have made you my child. Therefore, you're respectable. Mm -hmm. You're lovable. I could create a, an atmosphere of grace where our, my kids could blossom, where they don't have to be coerced into a certain behavior to meet my need, mm -hmm. but they could be free to learn and grow in a healthy, uh, stable, loving area where they can discover, oh, I want what dad has. Mm -hmm. I, I want that stability that he has where he can look at a problem and not, you know, get all bent out of shape yeah. and, and deal with it in a healthy way because he's not trying to get it from me. Yeah. And can one of you guys talk about how that would look like in marriage? Too? So we've talked about parenting and just relationships, but what does that look like in marriage too on a day-to-day -day basis? How do we live that out within marriage context? Well, in my opinion, marriage is harder than parenting. <laughs> 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 but you, it's the same thing. You have to keep in your mind who you are because in that marital relationship, it's tempting to define yourself by how you're treated, what's said to you. Mm -hmm. And if you're believing the, the lies that the enemy's throwing at you through the whatever's going on, mm -hmm. the temptation is, is to act out through your flesh, fight the flesh with the flesh, mm -hmm. you know, and then you're not living from who you really are. Yeah. But when you're living from who you are, then you're going to practice grace, as these guys have said, yeah. in that relationship. So for me, I mean, you know, say I have a disagreement with Patty. Hey, Patty, I'm sure you're going to be listening to this. I'm talking about you. I'm talking to you. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll, I'll be careful. No, she, she's very generous with letting me talk about our relationship. And if I'm not grounded in the idea that my uh, worth comes from Christ, I'm a worthy individual because the indwelling spirit, then I'm going to be trying to get that out of her. Hmm. And it might come out in a little argument here or a big argument there, but uh, it is going to drive that argument. Hmm. And I'll, either I'll have to convince her or <laughs> argue with her, trying to get her to see my mm -hmm. why I am worthy, you know, my, and I'm going to associate it with that argument with that, whatever idea is on the table. So it's going to, we're going to have to really nail this thing down because my worth is at stake. Mm. But if I'm coming at a place of, of worthiness or rightness, like I was mentioning earlier, then I can actually give her freedom and love, be gentle, and we could disagree about some things and our worth and values still secure, our value for each other secure. Mm -hmm. And it takes the, um, the possibility of sin off the table because we're showing love towards each other. Yeah. connected to the needs of humanity that we talked about a few episodes back and our identity we cannot from what I hear from you guys saying is we can't have healthy relationships whether it's parenting marital or, or otherwise if we don't know who we are if we if we don't know who we are we cannot have healthy relationships that's why hence it's so important or one of the reasons it's so important because if we understand who we are that all of our needs are met in Christ because we are part of his family then we don't go 
manipulating, coercing other people's to give other people to give us that, we can actually love other people, even if they are still living out of the flesh and not doing those things, because it's not dependent upon them. It's dependent upon what God has given me, and He's given me everything. We marry someone for what we can get out of them, what what they mm. can provide or what they can help us balance out. Uh, I know with my own husband, when I met him, the thing that I loved the most was his quiet confidence. Whoa, he was confident. Hmm. After a few years, (laughs) (laughs) that confidence turned to controlling. He's Hmm. not, this is confident, this is control. So if I had known at that time who I was, I could continue to value His confidence is God given Mm -hmm. instead of resenting it Mm. because it wasn't giving me what I Mm. needed anymore. Yeah, no, it makes sense. That's great. Yeah, it's a good example of it. So, along those lines, we've talked about it a little bit, but how do we, or what challenges do you guys face in understanding or applying who you are as a child of God in a day to day? I know we've talked about it in terms of the opposite of the way that we've applied it or how it helped us. But what are some of the major pitfalls that you guys have in terms of struggling with understanding your identity or applying it? Everything that I've learned for most of my years goes against a gift version of identity. <laughs> it's all earned. Mm. Everything that I've ever experienced has been earned. Yeah. And so in the enemy's lies, it goes something like this. Bo, if you want to be a success, then prove it. Mm. Prove it. But it doesn't sound like the enemy. It sounds like me thinking, <laughs> you know? Yep. And I think that's the, the world that does it. And it gets seeps into Christianity how it's taught, too. Yeah, yeah for sure. Like, if you want to be a better Christian or closer to God, then you need to stop sinning. And you need to do some more Bible reading. In other words, you earn closeness to God. Yeah. And or you become more righteous, and it's implied. It's not. It's rarely stated. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's implied, and I think that's because it's the mixture, the way the enemy works it, with his deceptions, and the way the world has trained us that it comes into our Christian. At least it came in. I should say my Christian <laughs> journey. Yeah, my too. Whereas, yeah. if I'm going to be a righteous Christian, I've got to do better. Yeah. And then I'll feel more righteous. And my feelings don't line up with the truth. And that's another challenge. Because mm. a lot of times I don't feel close or righteous or respected or valued by God in, until I do something. Mm. Yeah. Repent more or read more or Bible study more. Or, or, and then I feel, oh, okay, maybe I'm getting a little bit closer. And that's the way I, not, I know not every Christian is trained that way. Praise God. Many are, uh, you know, believe the truth right away and are discipled. And, but for me, that was not, this gift idea of identity was not the way that I was brought up. Yeah. In Ephesians 1, 4, Paul says that we're holy and blameless before God. And for me, the concept of blamelessness, I can understand it, you know, the concept, mm. yep. but the feeling of it is <laughs> not there all the time. It's, sure. you know, especially when you've made a mistake and you feel anything but blameless. And so I think that's the biggest challenge for me in just day-to-day is mm. the attack from the enemy that you're not blameless. Look at look at what you did. Look what you were thinking. Look what you, you know, you entertained this thought. You, you didn't do this. You should have been doing this, but you didn't do it. Or you did that, and you shouldn't have been doing that. Mm. And so there's this constant barrage of, of those thoughts, mm. and that's a huge challenge. Yeah, And I think... Satan, the world, everybody in it distracts. And it's hard to keep focus on the truth. But I still don't try to worry about that, even though my mind goes to, that's my challenge. Mm-hmm. i got to keep my mind on Christ. I've got to focus. But when I start to do that, I'm in that works mm-hmm. mentality yeah, again. Exactly. And so he reminds me, you lack nothing. I've got this. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Just just relax. And so that is more helpful because it's now become, it's my job just to rely on. I was doing a study years ago on the passage in Luke chapter 24, where Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with the people who were some of his disciples. 
And he asked them this question. He says, oh, you foolish men, why does your heart not rely or believe? He used the word believe. Uh, what the prophets have said, what the scriptures said. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and looked up that word believe, and it was pastuo, and it means to rely on. Mm-hmm. It's not just something we understand the meaning of even. It's sure. not just something we know. It's that relying on it. Mm-hmm. And so when that thought comes to me that I'm not focused on okay, I'm just going to rely on the truth. And the yeah. truth is he's got this, he's got me, I am who he says I am. I can rest in that. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think it's good to remind people that when we're challenged in areas or there's areas where our belief isn't always lining up with the truth, that it's not our job to fill that gap. To produce it. Yeah. Another one that I heard recently is that another definition of the word faith is to be convinced of. And so it's God's job to convince us of what is true, and it's our job to rely on him to do that. Mm. So I really, I'm glad you brought that up. One of the challenges that I've confronted myself, but also seen is just this idea of whose opinion I'm going to listen to more, All right? Because the world is screaming at me one thing, and as Bo, you've pointed out, it's the opposite of what God is saying. And so I have this opinion of my performance and who I am and my status, and then I have the opinion of God. And I'm always confronted with the question is whose opinion matters more to me, right? And on a heart level, deep down inside, God, obviously, the easy answer is God. Yes, of course, I, you know, of course I care about God's opinion of me more, but my actions and my attitudes and my behaviors don't always line up with that because in that moment I am actually saying that so-and-so's opinion of me matters more than what God says because I, of the way I'm acting and what I'm believing is lined up with their reaction towards me. And I find that that's something that is difficult for me to always, when I come back to that question, it's like, oh, yeah, duh, of course I want to have God's opinion be the one that I listen to, but it's not always the case. Can I bounce off of something that Jamie said? I like that rely. And it makes me think of, you know, I've never built an airplane. I've never flown an airplane. I don't, I I can't even explain the science of why it flies. (laughs) Okay. But I can tell you that I believe. It's the Bernoulli effect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Uh, Whatever that means. (laughs) That sounds good. Uh, I can tell you that I believe it can fly. It can get me from point A to point B but I'm not really relying until I actually get on the plane. And it doesn't matter how I feel while I'm on the plane. I'm going to be scared to death. And by the way, I don't <laughs> like turbulence. It does scare me, but I'm on the plane. Yeah. I've, I've put my, my belief and my trust in that that plane is going to get me mm. to point B. That's good. And this is where understanding and relying on that identity takes you through the, the, the turbulence. Cause it gives you, if God has really made us right and just and valued, and if we can't, if, if we're not relying on it or we're struggling to believe it, we realize that he's been gracious with us. We can be gracious with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It brings Philippians 2 that, into light about, you know, it's God who is at work in you, mm-hmm. both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so even though, yes, sometimes we don't feel it, we don't believe it, we don't rely on it, if the identity is true, which it is, we yeah. believe it, yeah. that God's done it and he's made us this way then we could give ourselves grace for that journey Mm. of growing in, in that reliance and trust. Another, another illustration I love, when I was young and I saw the first time I really noticed a piano, wow, that's beautiful music coming from this instrument. And I thought to myself, well, I'd love to be able to play that piano. Now, I will tell you right now, I'm not a piano player. Hmm. But I've known many over the years, and I'm sure they had that same moment like I did when I was you know, a young child. And yet, when they started learning to play, I guarantee you they didn't play anything like they do now. And they're, all the mistakes they made, all the music they had to repeat over and over to get it right, never defined that moment of, I want to do this. Mm. And so in the same sense, it's like, I think you just said it, Bo, God's made a declaration about us through Christ. It's a finished, it's, we're not like a work in progress. 
what's a work in progress progress is what I'm believing. Mm-hmm. But in my identity is finished. And now I have the opportunity every day to practice out that identity. Yes, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be failures along the way. But if I hang on to that belief, that reliance upon what God has already done, um, one day you're going to witness a concert pianist up on the stage, you know. Well, there's a great example in the scriptures in Genesis. It's very, very subtle. But if you look at after the fall and you have mention of the line of Seth and you have the mention of the line of Cain and when you look at those names under the line of Cain you see this person did this this person built that this person established this this person was the father of that Mm. There's always attached to it a significant endeavor. Mm -hmm. But when you go back to the line of Seth, it starts with, these were the ones who called on the name of the Lord. Mm. And it does not mention in the line, this begat this person, this begat this person, this begat. And it never says one thing Mm. they ever did or accomplished except that they called on the name of the Lord. That's cool. That was their identity. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I think that ties us in. We're talking about Scripture and how, you know, it's telling us who we are. Jesus believed these things, and he lived it out, and his entire life was based off of his belief in who he was and his relation to the Father. How does his life, his perfect living of that, help draw you closer to him? How does that help make you have a more intimate relationship with God or with Jesus, knowing that he lived that way? Well, I think it goes back to, I like that verse that says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Hmm. Okay. When we came up from baptism, I came up from that grave. That was his life now. And he's trying to live it through me, connected to the Father, just like he did when he walked on this earth. And so I get to be uniquely Jamie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have to pretend or try to be somebody else, but it's still Christ. Mm. It's still his life. And I can rely that he will complete that good work that he began in me. Mm. I think uh, one of the, well, two passages that Jesus from Jesus's life that just um, are beautiful about identity is in Right before, you know, at the Last Supper, it says in John, he laid aside his robe and he knew where he was coming from and where he was going, and then he decided to serve. In other words, he said, he was essentially saying, I know who I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was doing the job of the lowest slave Mm -hmm. in that society, which is to wash the feet. And so he was basically saying, I am confident in my relationship with my father that it's secure Mm -hmm. where I came from and where I'm going back. And so it motivated him to live it out. Mm -hmm. And the next story is when he raises Lazarus from the God raises Lazarus, but Jesus is talking to the father and he says to the father, I thank you that you always hear me. (laughs) It's a statement of confidence in who he was as mm. the son. Yeah. Now, and then this ties in to me with Romans 8, 39, uh, 29, where he talks about being the firstborn of many brethren. Yeah. And he says, in other words, Jesus was the firstborn of many brothers and sisterin. I don't think that's <laughs> Thank the word. You. But <laughs> brethren and sisterin. Uh, and the idea is, is that Jesus is so secure in his relationship, who he is as the son, hmm. that he's okay with having some brothers in the family and sisters yeah. that are heirs now. Yeah. He's not worried about losing the father's, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the heirship or what portion. Yeah, he's good. like, this is abundance. And so to me, that creates a safe place for me to rest in his love. And then mm-hmm. what comes out of me is no longer I, but Christ mm-hmm. in me, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, for sure. That's great. Well, I can't really add much to that because <laughs> that was very well put by Bo and Jamie. But I love that in end of John fifteen five, where he says to his disciples, apart from me, mm-hmm. you can do nothing. It's like Jamie said, you know, there's there's been a death that takes place, but on the heels of that death is a life. Yeah. And the life I live now is in Christ. 
And when I'm living in Christ, I'm not apart from him. I'm with him. He's with me. And we're, there's a co-union of relationship there. And as I submit to him, James 4, 7, as I submit to him, then he's able to live his life. He's not living as the historical Jesus. He's living as the living Jesus yeah. who's alive and well now living in and through me. Mm-hmm. He's, he's being a dad through me. He's being a husband through me. He's being a grandfather through me. Mm-hmm. He's being an employee through me, a friend through me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. You know, I just hope that the listeners really take away just the abundance of who they are in Christ as children of God, just how, how complete they are, how loved and righteous they are. And, um, they can rest in knowing that truth. So thank you so much for your guys' time. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next week for a question and answer episode. So uh, we will be going over that for the first 10 episodes. One to 10, we'll be answering some common questions, some questions that have been submitted. And then after that, we'll pick up uh, episode 11 after that. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Next week will be a Q&A covering our first 10 episodes. This will give us a chance to fill in some gaps and answer questions some of you may have had. If you would like to submit your questions, please email us at podcast at cftministry.org and we will try and respond to them in future episodes. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brazina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children in how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all our free content is made available because of the generosity of people just like you from around the world.